Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I think we have time for one uh, final question. In the late fall of 1962, one of President John F. Kennedy's closest advisors, Arthur Schlesinger Jr., was driving in his car when, all of a sudden, he heard the following question come over the airwaves. Now that you're in office, what do you think the chances are for a Jewish president? A familiar voice answered. Well, I think they're uh, pretty good. Now, let me say, I don't see why a person of the uh, Jewish faith can't be president of the United States. I know as a uh, Catholic, I could never vote for him, but other than that... His confusion was cleared up when he learned the voice belonged to Kennedy impersonator Von Meter. But Schlesinger was concerned enough that when he returned to the White House, he drafted a memorandum to the president. He wrote the following. This raises the question of what in hell a president of the United States ought to do about mimicry. I'm guessing many of you have never heard of Von Meter, but for one brief shining moment, okay, a 12-month period between late 1962 and late 1963, he was a really big deal. He had this parody album called The First Family, a spoof of the Kennedys. In old video clips, he looks like a distant Kennedy cousin, young, clean-cut, with a thick head of hair, and his JFK impression is uncanny. Now, uh, Just listen. Discussion today will be a nuclear disarmament, followed by the UN bond issue and a uh, matter of the trade agreements. Now, first, there is a most important matter to settle. Uh, Mr. De Gaulle, yours was the chicken salad and coffee. That's a dollar forty. Family. Well, in five weeks, this album has uh, broken all records in the history of the recording business. It sold, get this, three and a quarter million copies in five weeks. It took my Fair Lady album five years to sell that many copies. That was late-night king of his day, Jack Parr, marveling at the popularity of this one album. And the star of the album, Von Meter, was just about everywhere. Until all of a sudden, he wasn't. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm Mo Rocca, and this is Mobituaries. This Mobit, JFK impersonator Von Meter. November 22nd, 1963. Death of a career. Oh, are we recording now? Okay. I've worked across the street from this building, and I had no idea. I thought it was maybe some 
NSA storage unit. I don't know. People's files. Okay. Ah, the CBS News archives. Oh, Raka. Hey, it's Joe. You? Joe you Alessi. Are, nice to meet you. That's Joe Alessi. He's managed the CBS archives for 22 years now. He's the go-to guy if you need anything that was shot by CBS News during the 21st, 20th century, even the 19th. First thing we have is eight, from 1897, and that's William McKinley's inauguration. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, wow. so let's go to the back. And then when I say to the back, we're going to the vault area. The vault. The vault. The vault. I'm the vault. It, it, sound, it sounds very mysterious. It smells like pastrami or something. <laughs> well, that's Vinny's lunch. <laughs> so you're correct on that. No, what that is, that's film sometimes. All right, let's go this way. What are CBS's sort of greatest hits? Well, the thing that people ask for most is the assassination of President Kennedy. That seems to be a story that fascinates people from the beginning right up until today. People ask for at least once a week. And for good reason. That horrible day in November 1963 ended the president's life and changed the life of the nation. That's what Mr. Oaks taught us in high school. There was America before the assassination and America after. And before, comedian Vaughn Meter was a household name. So surely the CBS archives would have something on the man. My friend Joe did not disappoint. Three tapes of a Vaughn Meter interview sounds promising because that's yeah. the, unless those tapes are super short, that's a significant interview. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good find. And so I took a look. But what I saw and heard wasn't exactly funny. So it looked like, you know, I could do this forever. There was no end to the pot of gold. But there was no rainbow either. It was, we had no idea it was going to be that <laughs> monster. <laughs> this is Vaughn Meter in 1998. On these tapes, he looks haggard and shaken. 62 years old, but a rough 62. This was all recorded for a short-lived CBS cable network called Eye on People. Meter was being profiled as part of a Where Are They Now type series. Little of this footage made it to air. Well, I was born in Waterville the night of the flood. Abbott Vaughn Meter was born in 1936 in Waterville, Maine, and by all accounts had a harrowing childhood. His father drowned when he was one, and his young mother moved from Maine to Boston to work as a cocktail waitress. Meter had to shuttle between Maine and Massachusetts for much of his youth, spending some of that time in children's homes. He says he started entertaining people to avoid punishment when he got into trouble. Near the end of high school, his mother was institutionalized, and Meter ran away to the army. He ultimately was stationed in Germany, where he met the first of his four wives and played in a band. After his time in the service, he did a risque piano act around the New York City area and then moved on to Greenwich Village, where he honed a politically-themed comedy routine. It was at this point that he dropped his first name, Abbott. He became Von Meter. And then one fateful night, a voice came out of Meter. It was the President of the United States, John F. Kennedy. 
Yes, the gentleman over there. Sir, uh, when when are we going to send a man to the moon? Whenever Mr. Goldwater wants to go. I will think I'll do that. Meter started to reserve the last 10 minutes of his routine for an impression of Kennedy's live television press conferences. My name is Bob Booker. I've just been in the entertainment business all my life, and I've been very lucky, and I also forgot to turn off my phone. No, that's fine. If it's a, if it's a gig, pick it up. I don't even know this person. Back in the 1960s, Bob Booker was a disc jockey who, along with his partner Earl Dowd, wanted to capitalize on the fascination with the new president, as well as the popularity of comedy albums. These were the days of Stan Freeberg, Shelley Berman, Nichols and May, and the great Bob Newhart, who had just won Album of the Year at the Grammys, a first for a comedy album. That classic bit with Newhart as President Lincoln's press agent still holds up. Hi, Abe, sweetheart, how are you? <laughs> I'll, I'll get it, Bert. Sort of a drag, huh? So we were looking for the next thing to do, like, you know, so we could have a meal the next day. We said, you know, Kennedy make a great album. So what was your concept for this album? You've got this giant star. He's a movie star. He's a political star. He's... He's a world star, my God, and such a good-looking man uh, with this beautiful wife, right? We said, if you take this character and the family and put them in everyday situations, that's funny. This was the beginning of what would become the first family album. The only problem was they had no idea who could play the head of this first family. That is, until they turned on the TV the evening of July 3rd, 1962. No, but he's from the new school and has served his apprenticeship in the little clubs that feature, you know, the topical comedians, the kids with the wry, offbeat comments on life today. Does that voice sound familiar? It's Jim Backus, a.k.a. Mr. Magoo, a.k.a. Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island. He was hosting a summer replacement show called Talent Scouts on CBS. And I know, I know you're going to be delighted with the TV debut of Mr. Vaughn Meter. Meter started off with his take on the news headlines of the day. Here's, here's one that might be a little more familiar to you. Congressman Reed Wright of Alabama was quoted as saying, literacy test ain't proven nothing. <laughs> Listen, I have no idea how funny or fresh his topical stuff actually was. There's that old quote from playwright George S. Kaufman, satire is what closes on Saturday night. But his impression of Kennedy was and is nothing short of sensational. He's doing my act. He's doing my gestures. And he's using my lines. Do not ask what this country can do for you. That's one of my original lines. When he did Kennedy, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Bob Booker and Earl Dowd had found their man. But there was something else striking about that performance, a kind of disclaimer he made at the end of his star-making routine, something I can't imagine any comic doing today. Yes, I'd like to make one final statement at this time. And I would like to make that final statement as myself, Vaughn Meter. And that is to say thank you to the United States a country where it is possible for a young comedian like myself to come out on television before millions of people and kid its leading citizen. Thank you. Good night. It was very interesting to me because he was, to me, non-controversial. 
I wanted to get the perspective of a modern-day presidential impersonator. I decide how big my failures are, and they're the biggest. Wait, that's Meet not Anthony Atamanek. He impersonates President Donald Trump, most recently on Comedy Central's The President Show. I wonder if um, that caution was sort of to, to say, listen, I, I'm making fun with him, not of him. This is a telegram that right after Von Meter made his television debut, he wrote a telegram to the White House. He wrote this to yeah. the president? Yeah. Dear Mr. President, I respectfully call your attention to the Talent Scouts show, which we taped last night for viewing on CBS television Tuesday night, July 3rd at 10 p.m. I impersonated you, but I did it with great affection and respect. Hope it meets with your approval. Respectfully, Von Meter. Wow. That is wild. We actually went through 11, I think, uh, turndowns. Booker and Dowd had their concept, their Kennedy, and a demo of the album. No one was biting, though. Booker remembers one meeting at ABC. In the room that day was Jim Haggerty, who was the vice president of news and a former White House press secretary under Eisenhower, Kennedy's predecessor. He said, I think the communists will love it. I think Russia will love it. And every communist country in the world will love it. And he slammed the door behind him going out. He was outraged. Right. So we were just insulting the president and his family. He was not a man with a great sense of humor, Mr. Haggerty. It doesn't sound like it, but did it give you any doubt? Did you for a moment go, boy, maybe this is disrespectful. Maybe we shouldn't do it. This was place number 12 that we'd been thrown in the street, okay? Didn't discourage us at all. We knew we had a hit record. I would have bet anything on it. We did bet everything on it. While ABC passed, the president of the network suggested they try a smaller label called Cadence, run by Archie Blyer. Picked up the phone, called him, set the meeting the next morning. We went over and they bought it instantly. They'd overcome one hurdle, getting a record deal. But as it turned out, recording the album before a live audience came with its own set of challenges. This is a special report from CBS News, the Cuban crisis. Talk about an evening. Oh, what an evening. That's the night of President Kennedy's big speech about the Cuban Missile right, Crisis. Right. And we had the TV sets in the back room, and we watched the speech where everybody believed we were going to war. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. So the show starts, the audience has no idea that President Kennedy is on TV right. addressing the nation right. about this really terrible crisis. Yes, it was. And how does the show go? Perfect. And I did have a fear that the cast had heard this speech also. So we did a, we did a quick little speech right before, hey, it's showtime. We're going out there and kill, okay? Right. And everybody did. It didn't affect anybody. After making it through that crisis within a crisis, Bob Booker handed off the album to a DJ friend at WINS Radio in New York. And he was going on the air in 10 minutes, and I said, look what I've got. And he looked at it, and he played one cut, and he said, Jesus, Bob, that's sensational. He went on the air. For three hours, he played the album. 
continuously. Right. No more family for a while now, I promise. Now, uh, turn off the light. Good night, Jackie. Good night, Jack. Good night, Bobby. Good night, Ethel. Good night, Jack. Good night, Teddy. Every light in the place lit up. I mean, it was crazy. The phone calls from the other stations were coming in. Television uh, bookings for Vaughn, all in three hours. Broke it wide open, one disc jockey. The first family album took off like a rocket, and Vaughn Meter was in for the ride of his life. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Vaughn Meter was playing a gig in Detroit and didn't know what hit him. I couldn't believe it till I got back to New York and I walked down the street and heard my voice being broadcast. And it was this. And they just couldn't keep up with it, man. I mean, it was on fire. Can you give me a sense of what that felt like? Did you think? No, there's no way. There's no (laughs) way. It's insanity. Everyone wanted Vaughn Meter to appear on their show, including beloved singer Andy Williams, who was hosting a popular new variety series on NBC. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I've been looking forward all week to uh, working with Vaughn because I wanted to sit right next to the guy who has sold, well, he's had the most successful album in the history of the record business, the first family album. Thank you. There's a good reason the first family was the best-selling album of its time. It's a total blast. It's not really a satire. It's parody. The kind of fun, zany takeoff that I used to love reading in Mad Magazine when I was a kid, like when they turned chips into chimps or the godfather into the odd father, that kind of a thing. It's not really meant to make you think. It's meant to make you laugh. Okay, so some references may not play for today's audiences. Ev, uh, you drive a hard bargain. Like Monopoly with Republican Senate Minority Leader Everett Dirksen. I'll show you a boardwalk in Park Place with that But a surprising amount of it really holds up. I should like to ask the following question. No, speak English, Jackie. (laughs) Sure, the Jackie sounds more like Marilyn Monroe, which probably didn't make the First Lady very happy. But come on, to be fair, who didn't think the real Jackie sounded a little like Marilyn during that famous TV tour of the White House? Yes, this room is uh, everything in it, really. It's from the time of President Monroe. Of course, the album does its own take on that tour. Then left at the Dolly Madison pinnacle room. <laughs> While most of the jokes are pretty gentle, there are a few digs. Past the Richard Nixon dumbwaiter. 
One of the biggest laughs comes here when the president divvies up Caroline and John John's bath toys. Nine of the P.T. Boach, two of the Yogi Bear Beach Balls, the Ball of Chili Putty belong to Caroline. Nine of the P.T. Boach, one of the Yogi Bear Beach Balls, and the two Howdy Doody Plastic Bouncing Clowns are Baby John's. The rubbish one is mine. I'm imagining people everywhere, like at home, around the water cooler, at work, repeating that rubber swan line. And apparently they did. I thought it was pretty funny. Anthony Atamanik, who impersonates President Trump, knows the album well. His grandfather played it for him when he was growing up. But I also wanted his take on how Meter looked as Kennedy. Is it a good impression? Yeah, it is a good impression. It's a good impression because a good impression doesn't require any makeup or accoutrement. The idea should be that the presence of the person is what you feel. Like there's a will that presents Kennedy in that moment. There is not, and I say this with great pride, there is not one ugly joke in the entire thing. There's not even a really nasty political joke anywhere in the album. Yes, it's all very safe from today's vantage point. Turns out, and this was a surprise to me, the producers and cast were pushing the limits of comedy. I had the first, uh, I must level with you, I had some misgivings about uh, uh, this uh, idea uh, for reasons of my own. That's late night host Jack Parr again. He was Johnny Carson before Johnny Carson, issuing a disclaimer before inviting Von Meter on stage. Parr then goes on to quote famed anthropologist Margaret Mead. She too had weighed in on the first family album because, well, why not? She told Life magazine, quote, This making fun of people in authority is very healthy. It is the difference between democracy and tyranny, end quote. The album continued selling like crazy. But what was the White House thinking? Remember presidential advisor Arthur Schlesinger, who was so concerned about that voice on the radio that he wrote a memo about the dangers of impersonating the president. He wrote, the radio listener twirls his dial, comes in in the middle of things and rarely listens with full attention anyway. Schlesinger concluded on an ominous note, remember Orson Welles and the Martian invasion. Again, this comedy seems completely benign today, but boy, it raised an alarm in the president's inner circle. Well, it got dangerous because the people around Kennedy, around any president, are so protective. The minute they heard someone doing Kennedy on the air so accurately, because Vaughn was really good with it, they went screaming. They even went to the FCC to try and stop the album. Clearly and thankfully, those attempts weren't successful. But I was fascinated to learn that Schlesinger took the time to go back to the days of FDR to seek out some kind of precedent with regard to presidential impersonations. It turns out Franklin Roosevelt's press secretary, Stephen Early, had directly asked media outlets not to give airtime to Roosevelt impersonators. It's been a long time since a president and his family have been subjected to such a heavy barrage of teasing and fun-poking and satire. I mean, there have been books on 
backstairs at the White House and cartoon books with clever sayings and uh, uh, photo albums with uh, balloons and the, and the rest, and now a uh, smash hit record. Can you tell us uh, whether you read and listen to these things and whether they produce annoyment or enjoyment? <laughs> Annoyment. Uh, no, they produce. I, yes, I have read them and listened to them. Actually, I listened to Mr. Meader's record, but I thought it sounded more like Teddy than it did me. But uh. <laughs> that's not Von Meader as JFK. That is the actual president of the United States talking about Von Meader in one of his live press conferences. According to many accounts, the president did enjoy the album and even gave out copies for Christmas. Do you know why he loved it? Made a human being out of him. Took him down off the pedestal. He was one of us. He just looked a lot better than all of us. <laughs> Von Meter went on to win a Grammy for Best Comedy Performance, and The First Family won Album of the Year. The First Family beat out the likes of Tony Bennett and Ray Charles. Von Meter was living the dream, right? It just took over. The voice you're hearing now is the older meter from that 1998 interview that I got from the archives. You know, I go on Sullivan. I'd ask him if I could play, sing a song. I wanted so desperately to play some music, sing some songs. No, no chance, no chance, no chance. So I just fell in line, you know, and, uh, and did it. And I had to get sued to do a volume two because I didn't want to do a volume two. They sued me for a million dollars. In early 1963, while Meter was on a concert tour of the album, Bob Booker and Earl Dowd began developing fresh material for a second volume of the first family album. At which time Vaughn said, I don't want to do Kennedy anymore. You heard that right. Meter, who almost overnight went from barely scraping by in clubs to starring in the country's most popular album, was sick of the Kennedy Act. But I wasn't very content with any of it, and maybe it was the Kennedy thing that I couldn't get out of. But album producer Bob Booker was having none of it. I said, we have a deal to do it. He said, I don't care about that. I, I don't want to have to do Kennedy the rest of my life. He said, I want to do my act. And this is the time I had to say, Vaughn, you don't have an act. You never had an act. If you give this up, you're not going to be working anywhere. Was that hard for you to say? No, because it was the truth. And I wanted the album and just do what we have contractually and then go do anything you want in your life. If I never see you again, that's fine. And just do what you promised you would do. How did he take it when you told him, you don't have an act? How did he take oh, it? Oh, no, he was offended by that. He said, no, so I, I can go do my act. I said, there was no act. There was no act in Talent Scouts, right? It was Kennedy. That was it. Volume 2 was released in the spring of 1963 and sold fairly well, but nowhere near the original album. One of the sketches, which today seems pretty haunting, imagines the Kennedys enjoying retirement in 1996. I certainly enjoy being president. Bobby enjoyed being president. <laughs> Teddy enjoyed being president. <laughs> And then I enjoyed being president again. <laughs> Once I was in, I couldn't find the way out. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry he found the way out. 
On the morning of November 22, 1963, the Associated Press published a story by veteran Hollywood columnist Bob Thomas, which started as follows. It's always a bit surprising to find a new star in show business trying to run away from the thing that made him famous. Today's example is Vaughn Meter. Thomas then goes on to write, he also is searching for ways to destroy his image as a JFK imitator. Meter didn't have to search much longer. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy... Yeah, this is an old, old story. That's the older Von Meter. Well, I just got booked at the Democratic Club in, in Wisconsin, and I flew into Wisconsin from New York. And when I got in the cab, the cab driver said, you hear Kennedy got shot in Dallas? And I said, no, how does it go? Because I thought it was another Kennedy joke, because people, you know, everywhere I went, people would say, oh, did you hear about Jack who did this and Jackie? How does the punchline, you know? So I thought it was just another being set up. Somebody recognized me, was setting me up for another Kennedy joke, you know? I said, yeah, how does it go? And then I heard on the taxi cab radio that uh, that's what happened. So I went to the hotel, got drunk, got the next plane out, and went back to New York. And I guess I stayed drunk. Bob Booker was having lunch in Greenwich Village when he heard the news. The phone rang, and it was my secretary, and she said, Kennedy's been shot. And I just threw some money on the table and left. It was devastating, absolutely devastating. I called Archie Blyer the minute I got back, and I said... Get the albums, wherever they are, because you know, they're out with distributors all over the country. I said, get your hands on all of them. We're going to chop them up. I want no part of cashing in on this man's death. And just like that, Von Meter's meteoric rise to fame was over. Did you ever see Vaughn again? Boy, I, I talked to him a couple of times. I don't think I ever did see him again. Well... It was over. It's over, over, you know. John's gone. So I don't want to hear me playing him. If it isn't me, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be him. <laughs> you know, I, 
unless I am. <laughs> I think his issue and this armchair analysis was that he did not have a good division between the character and himself. Trump impersonator Anthony Atamanik. But he basically doesn't know where he ends, where yeah. Kennedy ends, and he begins. I mean, yeah. He might have just been a person who just didn't think about his psyche before he got into it. Well, it broke my heart, really, uh, at the time. But I thought to myself, well, now I can go on to something else. But I couldn't. I was, I mean, that they didn't want it. Nobody else, nobody wanted nothing else from me. That's what they wanted, and they couldn't let go of that. I'll never forget New York City, as cold as it is, I'm walking down 2nd Avenue and a, a steel riveter, a riveter with a hard hat, sees me and stops his rivet and walks over and squeezes my hand and says, oh, I'm so sorry, man. And like, you know, I was getting that, you know, like almost pity. And I think I had to go to a great extent. I know I did, I stayed drunk. And then after that, I stayed drugged to get away from pity, feeling sorry for me, you know? And so uh, maybe I get to feeling sorry for myself, I don't know. So imagine if like the one thing that you were getting your momentum on just got pulled from you, and then everyone's like, oh, that's so bad. Almost as if, also it's like everyone was like, your career's over. And, and maybe almost like he wants to shout, I'm not dead, <laughs> right? Yeah, and also I'm, I, I thought this, but maybe I'm wrong, but they would also be like, I don't want this, I don't, show your pity and love for him. Don't, don't put it right. to me. Meter would go on to say that he seemed to be a living reminder of a tragedy. It's worth remembering that in November of 1963, he was just 27. I mean, that's usually the start of a career. One week after the assassination, comedian Lenny Bruce was back on stage in New York. Bob Booker saw him and says he remembers a moment that has since become legendary. And he grabbed that microphone and he said, boy, did Vaughn Meter get screwed. Not exactly that word, okay? If you, you're, you're free to say it if you want to say no, it. No, he said, boy, did Vaughn Meter get fucked. Now... The critics took him apart for this. I have never heard a laugh that big in a house in my life. Because Lenny had the ability to say your most inner thought in public that you would never dare say. Everybody in the theater had thought that. I had gotten calls from people saying, poor Vaughn. I said, poor Vaughn? How about poor Jack Kennedy, for Christ's sake, Right. I didn't care about poor Vaughn. One of the best presidents we ever had, in my opinion, was dead, assassinated. Is that a story? It's not about Vaughn Meter, guys. No, Vaughn Meter hadn't died, but he was collateral damage. Another line attributed to Lenny Bruce was that they should put two graves in Arlington, one for Kennedy and one for Meter. After the president's death, Meter wrote a condolence letter to Jackie Kennedy. Although we never met, he wrote, I felt as though I had known him all my life. I was given by fate the ability to impersonate his voice and to copy his gestures. I sincerely hope that a part of what I did found its way to him and gave him and his family a few pleasant moments. Yes, beautiful letter, handwritten. It's in two different books, actually. Did he get a response? She hated him. That's Von Meter's widow, Sheila. She holds a copy of the letter. Mrs. Kennedy did hate the album, 
When it first came out, she referred to Meter as a rat in a memo. And here's her conversation with Arthur Schlesinger a few months after the assassination. What did he think of all these skits about himself, like the first family and so on? Did you ever listen to them? Um, I think he listened. I'm not sure he listened to all of that record. I listened to one side and then I threw it away because I didn't want my children to see it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, he wasn't... I guess he sort of took it. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was so unfair, those things. She went on to say... I mean, I thought it was so mean. I didn't care if they made fun of me or anything. But when they made fun of little children... In the year after the assassination, Meter didn't disappear completely. He popped up on television a few times in 1964, but never again as JFK. That same year, he put out his own album called Have Some Nuts. Later, another one called If the Shoe Fits. So pick up your phone right now and contribute. Contribute the name of a communist and put us over the top. (laughs) While they received some nice reviews, they just didn't sell. He traveled the country for the next decade, but as Sheila Meter recalls, the man she called by his birth name, Abbott, never found that second act. He insisted on writing his own stuff, and he didn't... He needed a writer. You know, that's... He would never have succeeded in something like the first family if there hadn't been an Earl Dowd and a Bob Booker to write it. He was a delivery man. Abbott delivered. Abbott spoke. Abbott had a voice that felt like warm oil was being rubbed into your skin. It was beautiful. I mean, that sounds great. I mean, there's no shame in being, as you so well put it, a delivery man. That's what he was. Right. That's what he was. But so why wasn't he okay with that? I don't know. I don't know. He turned to a variety of substances. There was the, the cocaine, there was the LSD, there was the psilocybin, there was the, the rum and coke, there was the marijuana, and they all had their effects, every one of them. You know, he was a different person with each one. Why do you think he abused so many substances? Escape, running away, getting, getting into, going toward a... A new life, a new reality for him, I think. One of the characters inspired by these substances was a blue bunny. Yes, that's correct. A blue bunny. Meter also had a messianic complex, which led in 1972 to a production of a Jesus comedy album called, wait for it, The Second Coming. I tell parables. Would you care to hear some? Would I? You're on. Make me laugh. I'm afraid that they aren't very humorous. I'll be the judge of that. Run it down. So he's playing Jesus. Uh, Yeah. Is it funny? Kind of. Did it sell well? No. He pursued his passion for honky-tonk music and even appeared in a few movies in the 1970s, including the commercial flop Linda Lovelace for President. Eventually, he moved back to his home state of Maine. And, I, you know, I should apologize. I'm on television. I really should apologize to every woman that ever knew me because I really didn't know how to treat women. Something we haven't talked much about is Meter's personal life. As mentioned earlier, he was married four times. Sheila was number four. They met in the early 1980s in Maine. 
Sheila was running away from her own addictions when she came across a flyer advertising Vaughn Meter playing piano at a nearby inn. Did you know who that was? I did, but you know, it didn't really register. He was only a voice. You know, a voice, that's all he was. From and, that comedy album. Oh yeah, from the first family. And I really didn't mm, register him as a living being, visible, touchable person. They would be together for 20 years. Sheila describes a controlling relationship with highs and lows and a man deeply conflicted by the thing that had once made him so famous. Was he haunted by the whole experience? Awful, 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 awful. But he, he also didn't let anybody know it. At the same time, he was letting everyone know it. He, he was a dichotomy. He, he, I've never known anyone who could be so many things at the same time. <laughs> and as far as how he looked back on the first family experience, was there a dichotomy there? Was he haunted by it, but then also wanted people to know he, he was Von Meter? Or? Well, he did that. That's he, he wanted to be known as Von Meter, but on the other hand, he didn't want anything to do with Von Meter. He was Abbott, and he wrote his music, and he entertained people, and he played the piano, and that's what he wanted. They say every man must face rejection. They say every man must fall. But I swear I see my reflection somewhere high upon the wall. Coming up. Vaughn Meter as Kennedy one final time. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. In February 1998, Vaughn Meter was wintering with friends in Florida. He seemed happy playing piano at a local bar. He hadn't been a star for years. And then out of the blue, he got a call from CBS. Producers wanted to profile Meter for a new cable show hosted by Paul Lazon. Coming up on PS, he sounded like JFK. He looked like JFK. It made him world famous. Now, while you've been listening to Vaughn Meter speak, it's important to note that back in 98, there was a producer sitting across from him, asking him the questions. I was struck 
immediately by his, you know, appearance. He, you know, he had full head of gray hair and a big beard. This is Kevin Huffman. He was a young CBS producer at the time. What do you you think his self-image was when you were sitting there? Oh, he was uh, one of the least confident people. You know, it's all this bravado. Like, on the one hand, he's aggressive. And if you look at, you know, the tape, sometimes he looks at me and I watched it just now and I could see the um, aggression on his side. Like, you know, what are you going to ask me next? Um, You know, I've got my story to tell and I'm not quite confident here. But I also notice that when he does go into bits... His eyes dart around a little bit like he's looking for an audience. Very much so. Like the camera crew, you know, behind me were part of the audience. You know, when he finally kind of shed the act, that's when I felt like I was starting to get to the real guy. Sheila revealed to me the reason for her husband's wariness, his defensiveness. What do you remember from 1998 when CBS came down to do an interview of him in Florida? His disappointment. Meter had boasted to Sheila and his friends that TV anchor Paula Zahn would be coming down to do the interview. When he opened the door to find Kevin... I think that broke his heart. Broke his heart? It did. It, but, it, it embarrassed him, and he, he didn't tolerate embarrassment. What happened at the end of the interview? This was sad. Um, you know, we... I think toward the end of the interview is when I asked him to do the voice... And which I felt was kind of a big, you know, moment for him. Like him doing the voice to me was like a really cathartic and possibly damaging thing. I I don't know. It messed him up. I want to play this moment in its entirety because more than anywhere else, you can hear what a struggle it was just being Von Meter. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you if you would do the voice for us. You wouldn't be doing your job? I'd have to think of a clever line. Why do the voice, you know, save up that voice all these years and not have a punchline? Not have the line to use the voice for? No. Look at the brain. The brain doesn't react to to it. It just shuts off. The switch, my on and off switch went off. Somebody said, do the voice, my switch went off. I can't. No, I can't. Okay. Two hundred years ago in Concord, Massachusetts, a uh, shot was fired that was heard around the world. Thirty-something years ago in Dallas, Texas, another shot was fired that was heard around the world. The uh, first bullet fired from the uh, Concord Bridge signaled the birth of the American spirit. The uh, second bullet fired from the uh, Texas Book Depository attempted to win that spirit. And we have seen in the last 30-something years how nearly successful that second bullet was. But in the final analysis, there is no bullet, there is no bomb, there is no power on the face of this earth that can destroy the American spirit. Maybe it'd say something like that, I don't know.
It's not funny what he's saying here. It's a little bit dark, but it's also thoughtful, kind of deep, even, I don't know, optimistic. A, A totally different JFK impersonation. Once again, Anthony Atamanik. It was interesting because in a weird way, I watched it and aligned with it. I was like, oh, it's you, you, you are doing the same thing. You're using this vessel to make a greater point, right? So we, you know, we wrapped up the interview and he got up immediately and I followed him. But he went right into the kitchen and grabbed a quart of vodka, cracked open the lid and just started chugging. He, he said, look, I, I needed this. You know, I, I couldn't, um, I got through your whole interview. I did everything, but uh, this is, you know, I have to do this. I, I wasn't judging him. I can't help but wonder if Von Meter would have been better off if he'd never discovered he could imitate Kennedy. But what do I know? Maybe after a very tough childhood, He was simply fated to have a rough go of it in life. If you could get into a time machine and you could go back to the moment that he's approached by Bob Booker and Earl Dowd to do the first family album, what would you tell him as a time traveler from the future? Do it, dear, and I'll be right here. I'll be in the background. No one will see me. No one will hear me, but I'll be here for you. I would say do it. Sure. Why not? That Von Meter interview from 1998 was the last the public would hear from him. He died six years later on October 29, 2004, just one day after my father died. Pop always talked about the time before Kennedy was shot as a more innocent time. He heard the news on the car radio and pulled the light blue VW bug he was driving, the first car my parents ever owned, over to the side of the road and wept. It was a different time, one where the presidency was held in such regard that Von Meter would end his routine with the assurance that it was all in good fun. We're never going back to that time, and I'm not saying we should try. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pay our respects. Not just to Von Meter, but also to that time, before that horrible day. So I want to end this mobituary with some sound from near the end of the first Family album. Sweet, disarmingly innocent, and yes, funny. Now everybody take it together with vigor. Next time on Mobituaries. TV sitcom deaths and disappearances. They did not have room in the writing for the older brother because the Fonz became the older brother. I certainly hope you enjoyed your first Mobit. Be sure to rate and review our podcast. 
You can also follow Mobituaries on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow me on Twitter at MoRocca. For more great content, including video of the older Vaughn meter, please visit Mobituaries.com. You can subscribe to Mobituaries wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Mobituaries was produced by Megan Marcus. Our team of producers also includes Gideon Evans, Kate McAuliffe, Megan Dietry, and me, Mo Rocca. It was edited by Kate McAuliffe and engineered by David Herman. Indispensable support from Genius Dineski, Kira Wardlow, Zach Gilchrist, Richard Rohrer, the team at CBS News Radio, the JFK Presidential Library, and Joe Alessi at the CBS News Archives. Our theme music is written by Daniel Hart. And as always, undying thanks to Rand Morrison and John Carp, without whom obituaries couldn't live. Hi, it's Mo. If you're enjoying Mobituaries, the podcast, may I invite you to check out Mobituaries, the book. It's chock full of stories not in the podcast. Celebrities who put their butts on the line, sports teams that threw in the towel for good, forgotten fashions, defunct diagnoses, presidential candidacies that cratered, whole countries that went kaput, and dragons. Yes, dragons. You see, people used to believe that dragons were real until... Just get the book. You can order Mobituaries, the book, from any online bookseller or stop by your local bookstore. And look for me when I come to your city. Tour information and lots more at mobituaries.com. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.